0: Hey, Seneca listeners, Kaiser here. We're delighted to take the wraps off the latest show in the Seneca Podcast Network, powered by China. So sit back and enjoy Chapter 1 of Strangers in China with Clay Baldo and Sheree Xu. And uh, make sure to subscribe to the show. Seneca will be back next week with a show about the situation in Xinjiang and the shift in party policy toward China's minzu, its ethnicities, its nationalities, its minorities. That shift underlies the coercive, assimilationist approach that we've seen now in Xinjiang, where over a million Uyghurs and other Muslims have been extra-legally detained in so-called re-education camps. We'll see you then.
1: Hi, this is Cherie.
0: And this is Clay.
1: Welcome to Strangers in China. So, Why are we interviewing strangers in China?
0: I like that way of putting it. Why are we interviewing strangers in China? I think I want to get to know China in a different way, on a more individual level. How do you think we typically understand China? I think we think of China monolithically as this giant culture, billions of people, big numbers, and we don't ever really think on a more granular level.
1: Yeah, I've always found that when I'm reading coverage about China, it's typically on a very like geopolitical global level, um, and it tends not to go into, I think, a lot of you know humanism.
0: Right, and I think that's what we want to focus on. Focus in more on people. So what kind of people do we want to talk to?
1: Someone creating culture. I always felt like China post-cultural revolution is struggling to find its voice and its aesthetic. And I love speaking with people that I think are forging their
0: own path. I want to talk to people who I feel like are struggling, struggling with like, maybe there's this broader culture in China that they don't quite fit into. And I want to see how they rub and break against these cultural tides.
1: So do you think that about covers it?
0: Yeah, let's just get into it. Chapter one rotten girls
1: so who are we talking to today
0: tell me what your name is and how oh, old are you
2: yeah that's uh, the routine right yeah okay my name is lily i am 32 years old oh i don't want to conform to the social values like um they rush into marriage but i don't want to do that and i just want to be a free spirit That's what I want to
0: Lily is just tired of being this good girl.
2: Like I was the obedient, yes, obedient kid and also student in school and in family. But when I entered high school or after university, I started to be a little rebellious in some ways. And now when I become an adult, I was even more rebellious than before just like having this effect on me. So I just want to act up. I, I want to be a good girl, but now I, I it doesn't matter to me. Who cares if I am a good girl?
0: So Lily isn't this good girl anymore. And that's because ultimately she hasn't done what's expected of her. So Lily lives in Shanghai now, but she's from this really small town where the traditional pressure of Chinese society is like much, much stronger. And her whole life, she's been moving further and further away from her hometown. And that's made that traditional pressure feel more and more diffuse. So
1: what kind of pressure was she under?
0: There are a lot of traditional pressures in China. But the one that you hear over and over and over again for people, you know, let's say our age in their 20s and 30s is that this demographic is being constantly bothered by their parents and pressured by society to settle down and get married.
1: Imagine if you are like a 50 or 60 year old Chinese person right now, the amount of change like in the government and economics in how international your country is. So stability feels so paramount for an older Chinese person because the amount of change that they've experienced in the last 50 years is just incredible.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I don't blame Chinese parents because They're just doing what feels right. But for Lily's generation, a generation that's lived through a much more stable and prosperous China, stability is just taken for granted. She wants more in her life and she doesn't want to just have to settle down. She wants to choose her own path.
1: So has Lily been successful in choosing her own path?
0: I mean, she's taken her own path and it's led her to have higher aspirations for herself, but it's also sort of left her to feel out of step with her own society just like a very lonely feeling. Ultimately Lily wants the stability. She wants to settle down but she wants to do it on her own terms so Lily lives in Shanghai right now and Shanghai is China's most vibrant most metropolitan city but that's the not where name she's
2: from. Is called Hengshan okay. town. Yeah.
0: And where is where is it?
2: Um, it is like, it is in the south of Suzhou, and uh, there's a famous like fresh lake called Taihu. My hometown is to the south.
0: So Lily's from Hengshan, which is a fairly small manufacturing town outside of uh, Suzhou, and people live fairly comfortable traditional lives.
2: Say Zhu, and uh, the people in the same like group the same area they know each other mm-hmm. very well mm-hmm. yeah
0: now would you like, her town of hongshan is really small it's a place where everyone knows each other and everybody's kind of up in each other's business and that creates a lot of pressure and problems for people like lily who want to live independently
1: so basically she's living in a new place that has like these very broad expansive ideas but she's still tied to another place that has a lot of traditional social pressure So what are some of the traditional ideas?
0: So let's talk about this marriage pressure. I know that in the United States, like a lot of people get pressured to get married, especially when they approach 30. But in China, it's like takes on a different form. And I think the intensity is much greater.
2: I I can tell you another story of my friend. Her mother just set up the matchmaking, the blind dates for her every week until she got her husband. So that that's what she has to do, and uh, and her mother will check up on the you know the progress. Yes, there are like some people who met each other for only a few months, and they just get married, and they enter yes into marriage that's a lot but in my opinion there are two cases one is they felt this could be an appropriate partner like when you just weigh over the choices you felt he's quite okay like economically and maybe from his family background you think he can be a match to you so you think okay i have to i have to accept it but other cases they finally met somebody who who is a match to them
0: So Cherie, she talks about blind dating here, and blind dating is not the same thing in China. Can you explain it a little bit?
1: So Lily's referring to the specific instance when your parents kind of get in touch with other parents from your hometown and get their kids together.
0: Right, so it's like, it's blind dating because you don't know this person at all, but it's not like a friend setting you up, It's, it's very much a parental oversight. And these blind dates that her friend's mom set up for her friend, they're not like out of the ordinary. This happens all the time all over the place. What what is the pressure like for you about like marriage from your parents, let's say?
2: I feel, sometimes I feel sorry for them because they are undergoing a lot of, like, pressure about me not getting married. My mom especially. My dad also had this pressure. Uh, He said he couldn't, he couldn't fall asleep because of me. He said I'm the last girl in the village who is not married. That is giving him a lot of trouble.
0: (laughs) Okay, Shuri, can you just give me a little insight as to what's going on here? Because it seems like these parents had these these crazy expectations for getting married so quickly and so urgently.
1: So I think getting married in China is basically a moral imperative. It's not a valid choice to stay single, particularly as a woman, I feel.
0: And part of that I think is like it's not your choice whether you want to get married or not. It's the expectation of your old of your parents that you have to get married, right? Lily's generation is maybe the first generation who actually questioning that notion in the first place.
1: Right, who think that they even have a choice.
0: So traditionally, stability in China is always the ideal. And getting married is very much part of that stability. Marriage isn't just you're getting married because you're in love. It's advantageous for your family and another family to link. Marriage is about putting
1: you on the track to buying a home, to owning your car, to having a kid, and to basically create a unit around yourself that's like a safety net.
0: Right, and then speaking more to the stress that Lily's parents are feeling, there's another sort of tension that's working on them.
2: There's no sense that strong in the village. People know each other, but you don't have like this intimacy. You just gossip about everybody. They have no boundary and they wanna know more about you, but they don't care about you. There's no love or affection in it. So Lily's dad,
0: as she said, is feeling this pressure. He, He can't sleep at night. Now I think that's partially because he's like, he worries about Lily a lot, but then he has this external pressure from the people around him. So village life is sort of this lever of conformity because of the pressure that it puts on your parents and the pressure that your parents put on you. This whole marriage question becomes a bigger expectation than just what your parents want.
1: So Lily's dad is aware that the community is gossiping about her and they're aware of her not hitting the proper life stage and perhaps how it reflects on their parenting. Family is really paramount in Chinese society. So Lily has basically failed to create a family of her own at the age where it's expected of
0: her. Right, and it's not only their disappointment, because it's also like within their community, they're losing face. To be this good girl in her parents' eyes and the eyes of their community, their small community, she should have already settled down and married some good prospect. And that's why she's not, as she said, a good girl anymore.
1: So even though she's getting so much pressure from her family and her community, how did she open up and transcend that and move beyond?
2: I think because they are from a small small village, that's why they they care about others' uh, thinking. But I don't care at all. I left the hometown when I was like thirteen years old to go to middle school. The people, the relations, are so so weak to me.
0: She's kind of drifted away from her own community. And so those pressures for herself don't feel that strong.
1: As we've seen, the power of the family and the local community can be
2: suffocating.
1: So for a lot of people, finding themselves means leaving home and leaving the family behind in a way.
2: Uh, Like the family, the great parents, they are the farmers and the parents, they they are just like self-employed. And they are a little, I think they are quite isolated, but for me, I was like, I go to the towns, the other towns for study, I go to another city for university, and then I I try to settle down in the big city in Suzhou. And this this major was selected by my by my dad. Uh, we we chose two majors. One was economics, and the other was English. That was very popular at that time, so we just chose the two most popular ones. After I started traveling, I was getting more and more dreamy. I think English is one cause or one factor which contributed to this. English was bringing me to a bigger world. I was feeling more and more confident. And I was thinking maybe I could see the bigger world.
0: So when Lily went to college, she studied English. And I think her parents thought that it would open her up to better job opportunities. She actually is an English teacher, so direct correlation there. But for Lily, it also had this effect of like, having a greater passion for the broader world. And she like really wanted to get out there.
1: I think leaving your small town life behind allows you to leave those social expectations behind.
0: Right, and she made a really big leap.
2: So as an English teacher, I always wanted to improve my English and I was like ashamed of not being abroad, but I always wanted to go to a native speaking, English speaking country. I I got to know about working holiday in Australia from a friend of mine. And I thought maybe I could have a try. In
0: 2017, Lily and her friend Joy just set off for Melbourne, Australia. And they got like odd jobs and just kind of lived and got by. It sounds like the trip had its ups and downs, but like ultimately it was a great experience. The highlight of this experience is that she went on like a road trip and she was just kind of like searching for higher meaning.
2: And the, the suburb, the suburbs, there there are nobody there. So we constantly ask ourselves, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? And we couldn't find out. So the friend suggested we take on a journey touring half Australia, spending like one month. Uh, So at the end of the year, we didn't map out the, the itinerary, but we just find out all the major cities along the coast. And she drove all the way by herself because my driving license has expired. Uh, I said, um, if you felt so tired, I, I could drive. She said, no, no, no. The policeman will come out somewhere. I said, no, 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 don't, don't. I can't drive. The road is so easy to drive. Let me drive. She said, no, no, no. I don't trust you. So do they find the meaning of life?
0: <laughs> I don't know if they found the meaning of life on their own personal little burning man that they did there. But um, Lily did find a new passion that she didn't know she had.
2: But when I, after I got to Australia, I see from other people there is a different way of living. I had a sense of security from that journey because I make it, I survived, and I made ends meet through the whole year. The, and another greatest thing was I found the writing. Chinese writing about the working holidays everywhere so i want to do something special i want to do the english one so i started writing and i sent them to my australia friends they encouraged me to go on doing this i felt this urge to write a lot after i like arrived at a destination and i felt so so creative and so i don't know like so full or so completed there
0: so is she doing travel writing in australia yeah but not just travel writing she's also been writing fiction And she writes in both Chinese and English. What I think is really most important about her writing is that it made her start reflecting on her own experience. Not just her experience in Australia, but her life in China as well. Going to Australia really shook Lily up and woke her up to new possibilities. And when her and her friend returned to China, people really took notice.
2: Another friend also commented, she said, Joy and I uh, took the same experience differently. She said, Joy was like more reclined right now, but I am becoming more ambitious right now. But right now, I'm, I'm like going to a bigger city and having a bigger dream. So other friends, they, they just commented, they say, you guys tried so hard to uh, live not like others. And if it weren't for the trip to Australia, maybe I was still like like blind
0: So Lily and her friend lived in Australia for a year and they like just kind of did it. They got jobs and they made it. And that felt like a big accomplishment for them. And I I think truly like living abroad really broadens your perspective a lot.
1: Yeah, I think living abroad really changes your ideas of what's normal and what is considered just generally accepted.
0: The expectations of where you're from are sort of diminished in a lot of ways, and you can see the world in a different way.
1: Yeah, I think that when we're living in a certain place, like I lived in New York for 12 years, we start to accept certain things as just like normal or reality or unchangeable. But then when you go abroad, like I've lived in Berlin and now Shanghai, you just start to question these things. There is no normal, and sometimes expectations are totally arbitrary.
0: Just as a point of clarity, I want to emphasize that I don't think actually Australia was the catalyst for her totally changing and opening up. I think Australia itself was just sort of a way to see things differently. I think sometimes there's sort of these essentialist narratives that the West helps China open up in some way. And maybe that's true to a certain extent, but that's not really Lily's narrative here. She was just curious about the world and she wanted to get out there. And Australia was a way to do that.
1: So after Lily has this shift in her thinking in Australia, does she change her life upon coming back?
0: The unfortunate thing about broadening your perspective is that coming home, the realities of where you're from haven't changed at all. It's just you've changed and the expectations are still there. And that has been a big letdown and disappointment for Lily.
2: One friend of mine, he said, you wasted one year, which is uh, like pressures in your life. So the other friend just say, why bother? Just why take such a detour to arrive at some people's some people's path. When I was in Shanghai, I started to feel the huge pressure because the Chinese environment was like moving so fast. It was really really fast. People were talking about like middle-aged anxiety at the age of 35. So it's like 35 was very critical point. If you don't make it to success, then you are doomed. And because the Chinese people were uh, racing so fast in the second half of the 20s, getting married, buying a house, like uh, working really, really hard. I think this is speeding up aging. So now when I go to see my peers, I feel they are so old. But when I was in Australia, I felt I'm so young, and I feel like a whole world is in front of me, and I feel finally I'm becoming myself. But when I get to China, everybody tell me, you are so old. So there's also like this dilemma when I am finding a partner. I used to think uh, I like someone senior than me. I think like they are stable and they can provide protection to me. But now I feel the men of 35, they are really old. They are not young at heart. So I, I feel there's no happiness being with someone Working life, it's just heavy and it's repetitive. I want to do something like good for my future. I want a career out of it. Not just like repetitive work and um, being exploited by the company. I don't know, I feel I'm quite selfish because uh, in China there's a saying uh, which is teachers are like candle. So you have to burn yourself to light others, make an example to others. And I think if a person is feeling very sad in herself, she can never be a great teacher. So... I dislike what they have pictured for me. So now when I was in Shanghai, I just feel, uh, how can I be so stupid? And how can I be so immature? And I was feeling, uh, if I keep teaching like this, I will continue to be so stupid. So now I'm worried about myself.
0: So that's a lot. What do you kind of, gather from all of that
1: well ageism is very severe in china and i think there's this huge expectation that you're supposed to accomplish all the major life markers like in your 20s including the marriage and the kids you're supposed to be well on your way by your 30s
0: when everyone else has like succumbed to the pressure to like get a stable job and to get married etc and you haven't you're like the odd one out and then there's like this ugliness that comes When you hit 30 and maybe you don't have those things there's like this harsh reality that your window is really closing in my mind it's like in china age isn't just a number it's like a label it's like a badge basically that says i'm like past my expiration date or something
1: so i just want to emphasize that not every chinese girl who's 26 and not married is having an existential crisis about it some people are having a good time actually
0: right but on that point, I just wanna note that like, Lily's not from here. Lily's not from Shanghai. She's from a very small town. She's the burden of traditional Chinese values, not big Shanghai cosmopolitan values. hmm I know that's true. And I think another sort of unintended consequence of her going abroad is that because she's kind of become unshaken from these expectations, she feels alienated from her own culture.
2: I think I fit anywhere. And another another feeling is that I feel I don't find belongingness anywhere, too. Like back in my hometown, Suzhou, I also had this strange feeling of feeling empty and not belong in the city. And when I make it to Melbourne and now to Shanghai, I I have similar feelings.
1: So what is she doing to try to find, I guess, either an outlet or try to find people, a community where she doesn't feel as alienated?
0: Yeah, I know. Lily's situation seems a little grim here, but, um, but she's continued to reflect on her experience. And she's kept up with her writing, and she still wants to write a lot in English. So she joined a writing workshop. Yeah, just welcome everybody. Um, I'm Ryan, it's great to uh, see everybody here and we're gonna try our best to get through all these pieces. The Red Woman and the Red Woman's Daughter, thoughts? And I know you can do it and you did it a little bit in here but I felt like you could definitely turn it up to eleven. Cool. Yeah, no, my favorite part about it. So this is a creative English writing group that Lily has joined. They do all of their work in English um, it's about half Chinese, half foreigners in this group in Shanghai. And it's really cool. I've gone a couple times, and they sit together, they submit works, and then they critique their works together. It's a good place to learn to and then grow. There was finally just a nice look there at the end where you kind of pushed against the genre a
2: little bit. And then like, no, I felt professional like that. Uh, because everyone was doing the peer review for other people. And for the first time, I could read other people's writing, I always felt like there is this huge barrier between native speakers and uh, me. But from the writing, their writing, I got to know what Shanghai life is to them. It's like nosy, but it is, wow, insider perspective. So we read one of her
1: works and it does actually, I think, focus on how to be a good girl in some ways so lily writes a story about a girl who's quite young who's just graduated from university living in shanghai she has a boyfriend and this girl she's very messy and she goes on a trip with this boyfriend to australia and they go on a road trip together and the boyfriend sort of expects her to clean when they're like at a guest house or something on the trip and then when she comes home after the trip, she discovers that the cat has, like, that is she's left in her apartment, has shit everywhere in the apartment, and the apartment is a wreck.
0: So what's the name of her story? Rotten
1: Girls.
2: The main theme was, girls should be tidy and clean so that boys will like you. Is that okay? Is that all the social pressure? I don't know, I... I used to be that rotten girl, but then I came to my senses.
0: Uh, what do the workshop members have to say about it?
2: There is this conflict of aging, uh, this like social pressure of being tidy. He told me if I can rewrite the ending part, this message can be really strong. And I felt, I asked him, how did you read that? I, I said, it is only in my subconscious. He said, I can feel that. And I felt wow, just like in my words, he could sense that he he sensed the anxiety in me and i just felt so grateful i was like having this very pity about girls will be old and i'm worried about getting old
0: well, why why are you worried
2: about getting old because when you are not young and beautiful then then you 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 just you will not have very ideal love anymore
0: she's talked about the critique that the some of the writers made in her group What did you make of her story?
1: Consciously, she thinks, oh, girl, should be clean, like she just said. But I think subconsciously, there's a lot of themes about girls constantly needing to be, like, not only clean, but sort of young and fresh. And there's this looming threat of, like, dirtiness or death hanging over the entire story. That the girl, however, needs to put on makeup and tidy her apartment and do these things to appear like those are not her realities.
0: Ultimately, for me, it's like... A reflection on so much, just all of the pressures and anxieties she's feeling in her life generally. And um, I'm just glad for her a little bit because I think, like she said, she's feeling more seen going to this group, participating, feeling like she's getting good feedback about the things that she's creating.
1: And also I think harnessing her own voice.
0: Yeah. So I think when it comes to Lily's story, what I'm so interested in is that Lily, as so many of us, hasn't really figured it all out in her life.
1: But she has this immense pressure from her family, from her community, from social expectations, she's just fall in line. And she's feeling like she's running out of time to even figure things
0: out. And I think in China, when you have this very rigid model of what stability looks like, there doesn't feel like any other respectable options to live differently.
1: There are very few respectable options. But I think the good news is there are more and more people like Lily.
0: Right, she's not alone. And I think she's very representative of her generation in a lot of ways in this feeling that just the stability that their parents have imparted upon them is not enough.
1: They're trying to make meaning in their lives. Yeah. I think there's this generational drift in China because they have economic stability provided by their parents in so many ways. That they're ready to have more and their parents haven't perhaps taught them to imagine more
0: i feel like lily doesn't really know what the next step is but she has taken a step in her own way she started to reflect on those expectations on those norms just to start to understand them a little bit better so that maybe she can push against them in a more meaningful way
1: well i think lily's step is to just not to conform not to go home not to marry someone that's been served up to her by the community or by her parents i think just the figuring out in itself is a rebellion
0: i'll tell you when to stop you don't have to read that (laughs) Okay.
2: okay um rotten girls it was saturday night she put on red lipstick and looked at herself in the mirror. She wouldn't waste such a night playing mobile games in the dim sketch living room. Shanghai was offering so sharing much sharing company in the corner of the park. A middle-aged man in a wheelchair. A rope in his hand was tied to a bumpy dog. People surrounded this dog and gave remarks about the dog, which weirdly passed liveliness in the into the everywhere. Are you a tidy person? She remembered what her boyfriend said to her on that journey. Everything deteriorates with time. How about girls?
0: Strangers in China was produced by Shri and Clay, and it was mastered by Kaiser Kuo. Strangers in China is a member of the Seneca Network, powered by SupChina. Follow us on Instagram at Strangers in China. Follow us on Twitter at Stranger in China. And please, please, please smash that subscribe button and give us a review. Strangers in China's theme song is Analytical Skeletons by Seasus. Other music this episode was by Terry Skills, Seasus, Saphiros, Doby Dodu, and Evan Schaefer. You can find links to all the music and other notes on our show page, subchinacom forward slash strangers in China. I want to thank Ryan Thorpe and the Shanghai Writers Workshop for letting me record with them. Sheree and I would like to thank Anthony Tao because he saw the potential in this project and he brought it to Supchina's attention. So thank you, Anthony. This episode and this entire series is uh, dedicated to my grandmother, Joyce, who passed right as we started this project. next time on Strangers in China.
1: That's just stereotypes, you know. China don't have free speech. Do you have? No, you don't have total free speech. And you shouldn't have total free speech. You always should be afraid of saying something.
0: Strangers in China will return with a new episode in two weeks. So tune in. Oh, you're still here. Well, lucky you. We've got some bonus content. So Lily and her friend Joy were like super unsuccessful in their jobs while they were in Australia. But they found other ways to make money. They sold milk powder to people back in China.
2: Yeah, we didn't make any money. And that, that's that's really sad for her because I was okay. I had some part-time job teaching English. And uh, we also sold baby formula to Chinese customers because, you know, the friends friends here, they really want want those products.
0: They sold milk formula to get by, which is just like, like, just so, like, oh man. Okay, explain why that's significant, though. Yeah.
1: So basically, everyone in China wants imported milk formula for their baby because there was once a really bad food scandal about milk powder in which it was contaminated and poisonous and unsafe,
0: and it killed. Children children,
1: and this is why now everyone wants to import their milk formula from the u s or from Australia. And so you can basically be a person that just ferries milk powder as if it were cocaine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's <as> very
1: valuable.
0: <laughs> powdered gold. <laughs>
1: My mother asked me if I would take milk powder back for her, for my cousin, and I refused, and now I feel like a bad person.
0: You're a bad person, definitely. <laughs>